Hello and welcome to What's the Story Ghost? I'm your host Annette. And I'm Steve. And today we are on episode 37. Stephen. Yes? Do you know anything about the crying boy painting? Uh, only what it says on the tin. This kind of reminds me of artwork that your mom would get. Like your mama gets sucked into the sad eyes of this child. Italian painter Giovanni Bragolin was a pseudonym used by the painter Bruno Amadio. Nothing unusual there. Painters and authors use pseudonyms all the time. But if I open a romance novel written under the name Mary Westmacott, who is actually Agatha Christie, my house won't go on fire, leaving nothing behind but the novel I was reading. The same can't be said for the infamous Crying Boy painting. The Crying Boy was one of a series of paintings completed in the 1950s. The series portrayed young, teary-eyed children. Now you might be thinking, why would I want to hang an image of a weeping child in my home? But the children in these paintings seemed to stroke on the heartstrings of people who saw them. In the UK alone, over 50,000 copies were sold. In total, Amadio painted over 60 paintings and up until the early 80s, prints and reprints of his images continued to be mass-produced. One painting in particular seemed to affect people the most. According to Amadio, the subject in one of his paintings was a young boy, whom he called a little street urchin, that he came across in Madrid in the 1960s. The young boy was a mute orphan with the most sorrowful expression that never seemed to leave his face. Amadio was captivated by the young boy and had stopped to paint him when a Catholic priest seemingly approached him to give him a stern warning. He told Amadio that the boy's name was Don Benillo and that he had run away after seeing his parents die in a fire. But also, since then, fires of unknown origin would break out wherever Don would go. This apparently happened so frequently that he was given the nickname Diablo, which translates to the devil. The priest warned Amadio against having anything to do with Don, but the painter ignored him and adopted the young boy. He brought Don Benello home to live with him and painted the Crying Boy series. If you're somewhat familiar with this story but unsure which painting contains Don, it is the saddest painting of them all for me. He has an amber hue to his skin, as it's said that Amadio was trying to capture the look on Don's face while he watched his home burn with his family still inside. Far be it for me to tell an artist where to or how he should or should not get his inspiration, but if your local priest tells you not to associate with a devil child, my first thought would be, wait, did he set the fire that killed his parents? Not, hey, I'm going to bring home this orphan and make him relive his parents' death so I can capture his sorrow and pain in a painting that will become mass-produced and somehow cause more fires. But I suppose hindsight is twenty-twenty. I wish I could say that the painter saved the young boy, gave him a home and taught him how to paint and they spent their days painting the streets and the people of Madrid. But the story ends in more tragedy and fire. Amadio's studio and apartment mysteriously caught fire. He lost everything and was left ruined, just as the priest had warned him. He accused the young boy of starting the fire, cast him out of the family, and never saw him again. And again, I wish I could say Don made a good life for himself despite his struggles from a young age. In 1976, police reported to a scene of a car crash outside Barcelona. 
The car crashed into a wall and then exploded. It was only the driver in the car and he had been burned beyond recognition. When the flames eventually subsided, the police searched the car and when they came to the glove box, they found part of the driver's license. The name on the license and who police believed to be the deceased driver was Don Bonello. A very sad story, but what does that have to do with the painting causing fires, you ask? The first fire that seemed to cause all the commotion was nearly 10 years after Dawn passed away. It was a house fire in the home of Ron and Mary Hall in Rotterdam. The fire destroyed everything on the first floor of their terrace council home, except for one single thing, a painting of the crying boy. The painting had been hung in the living room of the home. During the fire, as you can imagine, the string or twine holding the painting up was the first to go, so the painting fell to the floor and landed face down, but it was only slightly charred. On investigation, the fire department determined the cause of the fire was a chip pan that overheated and burst into flames. But on seeing the damage done to their home, and having lost everything on the ground level except this painting, the Halls became convinced that the painting was cursed, and it, not the chip pan, was to blame for the destruction. It seems a bit of a crazy theory, you're probably thinking, but the Halls were not alone in their experience. A series of similar fires followed, and the Crying Boy paintings were left behind in each of the fires despite their common causes. Following the purchase of the print, some people reported accidents causing injury and even death. Many others were horrified to find they could not burn it when they tried. A woman in Surrey lost her home to a fire six months after buying the painting. Two sisters in Kilburn had fires in their homes after buying a copy of the painting. One sister even claimed to have seen her painting swaying back and forwards on the wall. A concerned woman on the Isle of Wight attempted to burn her painting without success and then went on to suffer a run of bad luck. A gentleman in Nottingham who possessed a print of the painting lost his home and his family was injured. A pizza parlour in Norfolk was destroyed, including every painting on its walls, except for the crying boy. Fire service investigations reasoned that the fires were caused by faulty wiring, poorly discarded cigarettes and, yes, overheated chip pans. Rotherham Fire Station officer Alan Wilkinson himself logged dozens of fires where the crying boy paintings had survived. Wilkinson was dubious, but could not explain how the paintings had survived the flames. His wife, on the other hand, had her own theory. I always say it's the tears that put out the fire. Wilkinson's scepticism didn't mean he wasn't cautious. Upon his retirement, his colleagues presented him with a framed print of the crying boy. He politely declined the gift. With widespread panic sweeping, Chief Divisional Officer Mick Riley of the Yorkshire Fire Service was forced to make some sort of statement in a bid to quash the talk of curses. He said, The reason why this picture has not always been destroyed in the fire is that it is printed on high-density hardboard, which is very difficult to ignite. The statement did little to nothing to convince the public. Besides, it wasn't always the same painting. The paintings were often of different children or even from different artists. The Crying Boy paintings began receiving news coverage on September 4th, 1985, with an article titled Blazing Curse of the Crying Boy, published on page 13 by a British tabloid newspaper called The Sun, 
which described the harrowing experience of Ron and Mary Hall, recent victims of house fires. A follow-up article on September 5th brought new terrifying stories from readers that claimed to be the victims of the curse. In addition to fires, injuries and deaths, some reports included supernatural events, with readers alleging they saw the print sway from side to side on the wall or that it returned to its place after being destroyed. The Sun also claimed that the firefighters believed in the curse, despite conflicting statements by the fire service. Readers were captivated. Due to a wide-reaching audience, awareness of the crying boy curse spread very quickly. The Sun fanned the flames, no pun intended, with additional articles, each more sensational than the first. By the end of October, panic reached an all-time high, and many looked to the Sun for an answer. The Sun's editor, Kelvin McKenzie's answer, a massive bonfire. Credited as the father of the crying boy curse announced, enough is enough, folks. If you're worried about the crying boy picture hanging in your home, send it to us immediately. We'll destroy it for you. And that should see the back of any curse. Soon, the son's office was overrun with crying boy paintings stacked 12 feet high in the newsroom, spilling out of cupboards, as well as filling a little used interview room. Readers had sent in about two and a half thousand copies of the print. Mackenzie, scrambling for a solution, decided a huge bonfire near the River Thames was the answer to all the hysteria. In a highly publicised event on Halloween, the paintings burned under the supervision of the fire brigade. The Sun put out an article with the headline, Crying Flame, that claimed the curse was dissolved once and for all. It offered readers a reassuring quote from one of its police officer chaperones. I think there'll be many people who can breathe a little easier now. After the curse-be-gone-sized bonfire, talk of the curse died down, but never really went away. Steve Punt, a British writer and comedian, investigated the Crying Boy series on a BBC Radio 4 production called Punt P.I. some years later. He purchased a Crying Boy picture, and with construction researcher Martin Ship attempted to burn the print. But it wouldn't burn. Beyond the string, the painting wouldn't burn. They surmised that a fire retardant varnish was used, and the fact that the painting fell forward on the ground was what protected the picture. Another investigation suggested that Amadio's use of a compression board could explain why it was so difficult to burn. David Clark, the investigative journalist, says that stories naming the child as Don Bonello or Diablo did not emerge until 2000 in a book by Tom Slemon. They relate the child to several fires, including the painter's studio. However, he says there's absolutely no truth whatsoever in any of that. Some believe that when an artist paints a portrait of a person, a part of their soul becomes sealed on paper. Not unlike some folk don't like having their photograph taken as they believe it traps their souls. If you walk down your stairs half asleep en route to the kitchen to make coffee, and you see a painting in your hallway of a very young boy, maybe two or three years old, running on a beach or in a meadow, with a look of adventure and glee on his face. Would that not make you feel amazing first thing in the morning? Unless you don't care for children, then replace the boy with a puppy, but keep the look of adventure and glee same effect. Instead, imagine the first thing you see in your hallway every morning is a very young boy, maybe two or three, 
whose face is lit with a glowing hue of the amber from a raging fire that has consumed his home with his parents still inside. And the artist is so frickin' talented that the tears he has painted on the boy's face are so real and so authentic and so lifelike you have the constant urge to wipe his cheeks. Not even coffee, my favourite substance in the world, could jumpstart my soul after that negative start to the day. I'm not saying sadness makes the house burn down. I'm saying sadness lets the demons in and those guys like the fires. What do you think of that story? That was a very interesting one. So the painting is haunted. Yeah, well seemingly... All the paintings are haunted. Yeah, but it's not it's all the same. It's very <laughs> I'll show you a picture of them here and you'll understand why it's... Because I, I kind of thought to myself, why would anyone want to hang a picture of a crying boy? But look at his little face. That's the original. Yeah. Do you know what he reminds you of? Did you, did you ever see the two lads uh, in the 80s that shimmied their way onto a, onto a flight to the UK to America? What's that in? No, it's real life. Oh. It's not a film. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's, it's real. Two lads backed off for the day. They made it over to the States. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. He looks like a young version of them. I don't think that's the original one. The original one, he has a very orange hue on his face. And I was just kind of like, why would you, how would you even get that kind of emotion from a three-year-old? Unless you were like, okay, now I want you to think of that time when we were sitting on the wall in Bray and you dropped your ice cream. Cry, cry. Okay, cool, cool. Now sit like that for the next five hours while I paint you. Um, but yeah, the UK, um, no offence, uh, I hate tabloid magazines because they tend to, they can get away with stuff like that 20, 30 years ago, but you don't see the tabloids having stuff like that now. Yeah. But they would literally fan the flames just to try and sell papers and cause this absolute hysterical nonsense. Now, you know how I feel about mirrors and I kind of feel the same about paintings. I think when an artist paints a portrait of you, I think they capture a little bit of you and put it in it. Yeah. Not like the anguished man where he kind of painted in his own blood. I just thought it was very sad. Apparently. So was... Sorry to jump in there. No, no, no. The uh, fire in the studio, was that real or was that not real? Oh, his, his studio burned down. Studio his burning. studio and his apartment burned down and he blamed the kid. So oh. the priest had come up to him and said to him he's an orphan. He adopted him, brought him home and his house went up in flames. Yeah. Now, speaking from experience, we've had a chip. Now, if we have any outside of Ireland and the UK listeners, please don't judge us for doing this in the 80s. We didn't know. We didn't know any better. But a chip pan is basically a very deep pot you pour oil into it bring it to the boil and that's how you fry chips like it's a deep fryer is that what the us call it yeah having had one of those fires in my home when i was six it's terrifying i think i would have been even more terrified if everything was destroyed and one thing came out completely unscathed now Mm. in fairness Again, don't judge us for doing this because it was the 80s and we had no money. But I think we were finding Tupperware lids with burn marks on them for years after that. Because you don't throw away Tupperware. You buy it. It's an investment. You spend a lot of money on it back in the day. But we were finding burn lids. Just rob it from your man's house and don't give it back. (laughs) We still have some of my dad's. Yeah. But I think I think even at the age of six, I still would have had a bit of cop on. Kind of thought, "Mm, didn't the whole kitchen? And I don't think anywhere else was damaged. I think it was just the whole kitchen. I remember going to bed the night after the fire and waking up and the whole kitchen was repainted. My dad didn't want us to be phased by it at all. So he literally broke down the whole kitchen that was left, 
and repainted and put up something to hold our cornflakes somewhere for the interim before we got another kitchen. So I don't I don't blame the halls for assuming. Um, one thing they did say was, and I thought this was very strange, if you have a crying boy photo in your house and you don't want to get rid of it, the way to counteract the curse, now this was obviously someone trying to look to bump up sales, the way to counteract the curse was to also hang a crying girl photo next to it and that would counteract your house going on fire. Yeah, that's some good sales. <laughs> I thought that as well. Yeah. Have you any people for me? I have. There's only two real people that I, I think we need to fill. Okay. The painter. Yes. And Don, 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 Don. Yes. Don, I think, has to be Macaulay Culkin. Why not? Uh, and then, oh, that's really sad, Stephen. <laughs> Why would you do? He's such a comical little actor. I'd hate to see him cry. Well, I I didn't have time to Google who the original actor for Twist <laughs> was. Who, who now that I'm looking at that painting and the fact that he was outcast in London makes perfect sense. Yeah, it um, was in Madrid, but okay. But didn't he bring him to London? No, no, no. Okay, just London caught fire. <laughs> um, painter guy. What's yes. his name? Uh, Amadio. Amadio. His name and. But I should have consulted Mark. Mark could have told me the proper pronunciation and I could have practiced it. God damn it, Mark. I should have asked you and you could have sent me a voice and I could have just listened to our Italian friend, Amadio. Amadio, the painter. Yeah. Uh, do you know who Charlie Heaton is? Oh, I think I do. I think I do. No, I don't. Do you He's Google? Jonathan from Stranger Things. No, you've already used Jonathan. No, but Jonathan in a different character. He's a well-rounded young man who could play anybody. He's the new Kathy Bates. Oh, wow. That. But his artistic, you know, with his camera and stuff, he's very artistic. Well, oh my God, we actually don't have anyone for Kathy Bates. We don't have any, yeah. We don't have any Kathy Bates for anybody. We've never had an episode that didn't have Kathy Bates on it. Can Kathy, Kathy Bates, Bates just do a cameo? Kathy Bates is playing herself. <laughs> or, on holiday in Madrid. I feel like Kathy Bates is the cheese to our dinner. I know, I don't know what to do with her. She's doing a cameo. Yeah. Okay. She's going to do a walk on. She's on holidays in Madrid. Would you like to know the rabbit hole I fell down this week? Go, give it to me. And it was inspired by this. I just decided to look at um, first creepy objects, uh, which is actually kind of cool because we've covered some of these. Um, So the first one I have here is the haunted wedding dress. This one's really freaking sad, right? The dress Anna Baker intended to wear when she was supposed to get married, but her father forbid the marriage. Uh, So she never married. Just out of spite, she never married. Like back in the day or back then. It was like a joining of families and it was a big thing that you had to marry all your daughters off. So when her father passed, she visited the only man she'd ever loved. She never moved on from him at all, but she was broken hearted when she met him. She found out he'd settled down. And then obviously she like cursed her father and died just miserable. But it was said that she had actually ended up going crazy. And it was weird the way the article wrote it. It was like she was seen dancing in the hall wearing her wedding dress by servants who worked in the house. And I was like, then or now and then they were like both I was like oh okay cool the next one there is the cursed mirror of Myrtle's plantation now we already covered this episode uh, but just the short synopsis of it is the mirror supposedly contains the spirit of Sarah Woodruff and two of her daughters after she was poisoned by a slave I have qualms about this one so go back and listen to our episode if you haven't listened to it yet the next one there is the chair of death it was cursed by Tom Busby in 1702. He murdered his father-in-law for sitting in his favourite chair. On his way to the gallows, he put a curse on the chair, dooming anyone who dared sit in it, and the chair has since killed everyone who's ever sat on it. They now have it in a museum tacked to the wall really, really high so that nobody just accidentally sits on it. Uh, during World War II, pilots who were 
think they were classed as bomber pilots, mm. never returned from war. They sit in the chair? Yes. They had gone to the pub where, so it was, sorry, the chair was in a pub. Ah. His favourite chair. I thought it was in his house. This is, goes to show how little I knew about the story before I fell down this rabbit hole. Oh no, lots of people have favourite chairs in the pub. Everybody has a favourite chair. Oh, whenever I used to go for points with my dad, just inside the door in a round table, all him and his mates would sit around the round table and he'd have to go get the chair with the back on it because he couldn't, and had to be in the same spot. No. So he had, he was like Sheldon, he was just there, he had to see here because he was just there but in the breeze, but he could see enough of everybody, but he wasn't <laughs> right up in the corner. And it was, and it was, it was actually right beside a little nook that was hidden from the cameras. So the barman used to like be point there for himself, and he got around clean the glasses, take the swill and point, go around and clean the glasses. Oh, I love the nineties. I love the nineties. It still happens. <laughs> the next one there is the divot box. So at least I know I'm covering good stuff. Essentially, the box is cursed with a divot, which is an evil spirit from Jewish mythology. Um, anyone who has owned it has had a string of bad luck. In particular, Zach Bagans for buying the mythical box. Again, listen to that episode. Uh, the next one there is Annabelle. I'm very keen to cover this. I think a lot of people already have, but I think I think I'll try and do something quirky with it. Owned originally by roommates Donna and Angie, the doll seemed harmless. However, things kept moving, including the doll. And then Ed and Lorraine Warren, they're quite high up in the supernatural or paranormal kind of investigations. They reckon they were dealing with a conduit to hell and the demon attached to Annabelle was looking for a living host. The Warrens took Annabelle home, but it tampered with their vehicle in an attempt to kill them. And then after the doll was secured in their museum, a visitor reportedly challenged Annabelle. So I don't know if he was like, I'm not afraid of you. Why would you challenge a doll? Anyway, but he left and was uh, he abruptly lost control of his motorcycle and crashed into a tree, dying instantly. No. No. The next one there is the crying boy. If you've gotten this far into the show, I really shouldn't have to explain this one. Um, but that was the rabbit hole I fell down. I got totally freaked out because then I was just like, these are all a bunch of stuff that like people would just have in their house. Like, I mean, I still have my wedding dress. It's sitting above the, it's sitting above the wardrobe. I know. It's sitting beside another present that you got me that we're waiting for a nice house to put something. <laughs> but then you look at the likes of like the mirror. That mirror could be haunted. These are all just miscellaneous things like the death chair and the dibbuck box is actually a wine cabinet. And then Annabelle is a doll. The kids have loads of toys. Now, luckily mm. enough, they're not completely fixated on one particular teddy bear, so it's not so bad. But these are all... And then the crying boy. These are all miscellaneous things that you would have in your home. This whole list terrified me. It's, it's a scary one. There's a Black Mirror episode, and the episode is called Black Museum. And it's basically haunted stuff that's being collected that has a really creepy backstory. Mm. There's a few things in it, like there's a, this couple have a young child and the mother dies, but they save the mother's memory into a into a card, yeah. and they put the card in a in a toy monkey. So the, so basically the woman's consciousness is captured and she has consciousness in the monkey, but the monkey doesn't have the ability to express everything, so she has the ability to say yes or no or a few oh. small words. <laughs> Um, and so that's great, but she never ages, she never gets old, she, she's just this consciousness in a monkey. And the child gets older and obviously loses a bit of, loses a little bit of interest in the monkey. And uh, the father starts to see someone else. Oh no. And then it, she's there looking at it, so they then go back and get, get the option to like turn off the monkey. Oh god. So then there's like, they share time, so the, the monkey's only turned on so she can only see. 
or be awake, their consciousness is only awake part of the day, so the couple could be alone and stuff like that. I can t- I, see, as soon as you said that, I was like, I can tell you a thousand things that are going to go wrong oh, if you do that. Was, and you named all but, like, a few. In- instantly, at the start, it was like, oh, what a beautiful thing to do, and then it just goes, oh, this is creepy. Do you know what? I think it really depends on your own circumstances, but there have been teddy bears that... How do, I, how do I explain this? There's been teddy bears that have a recording of a heartbeat. So, say yeah. for instance, I saw this one story where um, a dad passed away because of a car crash, but he had excellent health up until then, and he was an organ donor. So, what the person did who was on the transplant yeah. list, what they did was they recorded their own heartbeat and gave a teddy bear to the family. And it was it was obviously given to them with such good intentions, but the family was kind of split half and half. Half of them were like, I, I just want to be able to move on. And then the other half were like, I love this. It's literally like, I mean, I go up to my dad now. My dad's still six foot two and I'm five foot nothing. Well, no, I'm not that, that much smaller. But I go and I give him a hug and I put my ear to his chest. So to me, hearing my dad's heartbeat is normal when I give him a hug. But I don't know how I'd be... No, I don't know how I... No, that's what I'm saying. The family were kind of split half and yeah. half. And then I was just kind of like, okay, those who don't want it, don't use it. And anyone who gets comfort from it, what harm is it? If it gives them comfort and they can slowly move on, then happy funny days. You mention, funny you should mention comfort because in the same episode, there is an essentially the main attraction. Spoiler alert for anybody who's who hasn't seen Black Maria. Similarly, a consciousness is captured at the time when um, the last electrocution, electric chair, <gasps> basically like he is a hologram and people come in and they pay money and they pull the lever and he relives that consciousness that's captured, relives that. Oh jeez, no. Electrocution over and over and I over I think I saw over. that one. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I remember that episode. I don't remember the monkey, I think I... I, I remember the monkey. I think that I, was a repressed memory. I googled um, it, but that's the start of it, yeah. He goes through all the things in the museum, and one of them is the monkey. But that's like the futuristic stuff that you expect prisons to be like. There's an episode of, and again, I'm going to show my nerdy side here, there's an episode of Star Trek Voyager. Do you remember when Paris and Harry Kim go on to a different planet and they're meeting up with some scientists there and something happens and Paris comes back without, sorry, Harry Kim comes back without Paris and Captain Janeway's like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, we got arrested for murder. So Ensign Paris is detained on the planet and is punishment until your trial or even after your trial when you're given your sentence, you literally relive the last few minutes of the person's life you murdered not your own you're going to relive the trauma that they went through and according to the episode like he didn't do it but apparently according to the episode he stabbed him and i was just like why am i going to relive that and i think the whole episode was like three minutes and 45 seconds long and then you get like a two minute break and then you have to do it again and then you get a two minute break and you have to do it again and i just think that's the kind of stuff I it think. It is the worst beat test ever. I know, right? That's the kind of minority report shiz that I can imagine happening in the future. And I'm like, no, I'm not okay with that. Don't be sticking no consciousness of mine into no computer. No, just let me go. Be grand. We finish up there yes. if you have any questions for me. No, I'm good. Say words. Okay. 
So thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you have any questions on today's or any other episode, please feel free to DM us on our Instagram. It's What's the Story Ghost. I'll pop all the links in the description. If you have your own personal story that you would like to share, our email is what's the story ghost at gmail.com. And those are all my words. Thank you, Jingle. Do 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 do